0: it's time for class
1: civics just doesn't begin and end on election day
0: this is sunday civics the home for the civically engaged with political strategist l joy williams a serious xm's urban view
1: good morning good morning and happy sunday folks this is l joy williams live and in the flesh although you can't see me <laughs> happy sunday and welcome to sunday civics i am your host your civics teacher and neighborhood political strategist ljoy williams and it's been a while but i got a thoroughness girl with me june like the month moses
0: like the bible hey june L. Joy williams i've been missing you I ain't seen in twenty years. What's going on
1: with you, <laughs> old school folks? Only know what that 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 tune is. That that tune, but June, there has been a lot happening,
0: girl.
1: And we've had a number of great conversations with a number of great guests that were timely. That you know, spoke to the moment that we're in, which is a battle for our lives. And I just wanted to take a moment to sort of talk a bit about some of those things and also talk about what I'm working on for future episodes so that those of you who are listening can get a full understanding of what I'm pulling together, how it impacts the work how it impacts the education that i'm trying to provide here and the context of which all of this is so that i can so so that it moves you to action like this this show is all about moving you to action and i felt a good time to sort of pause here and help folks to understand the method not to my madness, but the method to my brilliance. Let, let me be boastful for a minute. Amen. And it's it's all, you know, towards the end of our time this morning, I want to bring back to everyone's consciousness. If you've been listening to the show since the beginning, maybe you remember this or maybe you forgot. But the first episode, I talked about the foundation of education, and I went to the person that I knew best to give us that context. And that was Dr. Lester Young, who then, you know, wasn't in the position he is now where he is the New York state regent. So the New York state has a board of regents that oversees education in the state of New York. And he is now the chair <laughs> of that of that board. And so I, I thought it, you know, his conversation, the interview isn't long June, it's not a whole hour, but he really laid the foundation for me. One, on why it is important, the education and the method with with which we use to educate people in our communities, and also how it intersects with the foundation of this country how it intersects with structural racism and white supremacy. And I thought it was good at this point to, at the end of the show this morning, to sort of bring back that conversation, particularly because there is this attack on public education that back then, remember the reason why I wanted to start Sunday Civics with the focus on education is because there is this constant barrage and attack. And I understand why. And I want you to understand why. I want you to understand that the large, largest part of a state's budget is education next to healthcare. Right? So we're talking about real money here, real dollars, right, on the state level because education is managed on the state level. And a lot of the tension... Between Congress and states and on a number of different issues, whether it's student loan, whether it's schools, whether it's health care and all of these different issues is this ongoing fight about what power the federal government has on its states and the state's ability to be able to decide what they want and without any interference and things of that nature. And we did early shows on that, talking about federalism and talking about that ongoing battle. And there's a Supreme Court case, (laughs) you know, about that on a number of things. And that's going to always be the constant battle. But education is attacked for a reason. One, the money attached to it. Two, there are people who don't believe in public education, right? Because public education means I need to provide education for everyone, not just my kids. Mm-hmm. And then you have the big feelings involved in that, and it's is the arguments are under the guise I don't want my kids to learn this, or I don't want my kids to feel bad about themselves and all that stuff. And all of that is used. The similar thing which we've talked about on this show how it's easy for a leader to stoke people's fears. It's much harder to push people where humanity needs to go, right? And so all of this stoking a fear of your kid, you know, learning about the history of others and making them feel bad and, you know, stoking that fear. Stoking the fear of, well, if the migrants come over here, like, what's that going to do about your jobs and about your health care while not talking about a larger issue of, like, how do we care for everyone? Not to mention sidebar conversation, June, because I'm going to have to do a whole show on this. Like, we, United States has not had to experience a a migration because of war, famine, and climate change. And we're about to experience that. And it's gonna like these tensions about people coming over here is about to get way, way more expansive. <laughs> because when did you see this news story? I, I know I did a sidebar right quick, but did you see this news story about State Farm is no longer providing home insurance in California? I think it's the state of California because they said it's too much. It's the wildfires and the flooding and the lack of water and the, all of those kinds of things. So we're not going to cancel like existing people. We're not doing no. So it's about to be some movement inside the, Uni- inside the United States in addition to people moving around across the world. That's going to impact a lot of nations, not to mention war and famine and sort of all of those other things that happen. But back to education, the reason why these fights keep happening Is because of those tensions. The tensions of the federal government should not have the ability to tell us what to do, the tensions of white supremacy and institutional racism, the contention of I want to provide for my kid, but not yours, that classism, you know, that struggle there. And then also just continuing to stoke the fear of racism, xenophobia, you know, against others. And, you know, anybody who is, you know, not white, as if they're the original people of this country, you know, anybody who's not white, like, we're going to resist all of it and fight against all, all of it and take our country back. Like,
0: all of this is connected. And- What happened to, if you know better, you do better? Like, isn't no. that what education would do? We're not doing that no more? No, people ain't doing that no more. I'm upset. That's
1: not, we. they off that. They <laughs> off that. They're not doing it. They're going back to what is comfortable and racism and dog whistling and fear and all of that is comfortable for people because they know how to predict the outcome. Can we not they have that outcome? The outcome, the, the, the outcome is I'm on top. But are you really? That's what That's what they're selling to people. Like crack. It's like drugs, right? Yeah, and they're selling to people. They're selling to them that other people have in, enjoying the same freedoms, enjoying the same ability to advance in life. Somehow, take something from you.
0: Ooh, I'm so glad you do this show because I would be in that fog too. But I learned so much listening to you. Because that just I don't fall listening into the crazy
1: to li- listen, let's talk about some of the things that's been happening recently, right? Let's talk about like the most Im- immediate thing: the migrant the migration that's happening with folks from other part of, you know, moving around, right? Which always happens by the way. So I don't know why people always act like it's brand new. It's the summer. What happens every summer? There's more. People move. You can move around because it's not messy. There's more migration happening because the weather is better and because people are moving about looking for a job, look for opportunity, looking for, right, like there, there's, there, and then there are also other countries have more lax rules that allow people to fly in their country and then like walk over into, like, let's not act brand new like this doesn't happen on a regular basis and is cyclical. It does.
0: But are we also going to talk about the people who say "build a wall," but at the same time, we'll go to the corner and pick you up and employ you shh, under the table? Right.
1: And the companies who aid and embed that, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because you know, and I see the propaganda, like even, and I'm not just talking about CNN and MSNBC and all that kind of stuff. I'm just watching your local news.
0: Talking and to your neighbor. They've talking to your neighbors.
1: Food. And talking to, like, overhearing conversations of, you know, other Black folks, Black men or whatever. These migrants come and taking a job. I'm like, what job they taking, cousin? When was the last time
0: you picked strawberry? Stop.
1: Stop. And not that that should be the only jobs reserved for people who are migrating here, people who are seeking asylum. Like, that shouldn't be the only jobs that they are relegated to. And like we said, companies need to also be held responsible for them doing it. And I saw a story where they were talking about they cracked down on a company that was hiring all of these, hiring all these folks. And they were like, well, we're processing them and their social security numbers through this system and they're just getting bad information. And so like the burden was put on the federal government system, the E-Verify system. The same, wow. the same thing that they were saying as the reason why, I don't know if you saw the story of children working in factories like overnight and they were like, well, they had social security number and the E-Verify. I'm like, man, losers and
0: theys. please Stop. Stop. I don't understand. We don't want to go back to the time of more, please. Like, aren't, aren't, isn't that what we're not supposed to be doing?
1: So this, <laughs> so you have that going on. Then I'm like, Thoroughly, thoroughly, I think this just happened days, days ago on the Supreme Court case on unions. I think it was- so the they team, murdered sir. the unions.
0: Eight of them murdered the unions. I'm going to call it a Dude. murder. You don't have to call it a murder. I'm going to call it a murder. Eight of them murdered the unions because if you can sue me, because I went on strike and you're going to sue me for the money you lost while you're not doing the right thing, you've murdered my union murder.
1: Well, yeah, they're saying that, you know, they said that federal labor law does not protect a union from liability for damage that arose during a strike. And that state courts can, you know, resolve those kinds of questions on liability. Right. So basically, it's saying that if a strike occurs and a business, a company loses money or some sort of damages, the company can sue the union and could possibly face liability for those, whatever quote damages may be
0: murder. Mm. I know everybody at home is shocked right now and all sitting there going, wait a minute, what happened? Because wait, what What about all those people? We all heard so many stories. Oh, the people from Starbucks, they're organizing. They're getting paid what they're worth. Oh, this group here is organizing it. So instead of having to have the companies fight with the organizers and do that on the ground floor, they just went to the federal courts and just had the kibosh put on it for all of us. Is that what just happened?
1: Well, I mean, I'm going to bring an expert on to let's talk about this in detail, because I want to not only talk about this case, but talk about union like the 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 attacks on unionization overall which again we've seen before <laughs> like in this country of attacking people and so i mean what it's really designed to is like sure you can strike or whatever but the company is also going to continue to attack the union and keep it in court and spend down its money and so then now workers are less likely to strike Right. And then there's also the unions is like, do we call a strike or do we do this or whatever and then deplete all of our funds and legal fees trying to like defeat this? Right. Like, again, we've seen this playbook before from an economic situation of really trying to tear down workers. We've been through this before. Right. And the fact that. Supreme Court, a federal government, a Congress, like, would not continue to provide protections for workers who are the most vulnerable in this position, right? The companies are not vulnerable in the position, right? The workers are the most vulnerable. But if you live in an economic system, which we do, which prioritizes the wealthy prioritizes company owners, prioritize the barons, provide you know, prioritizes, you know, that narrative of the wealthy keeping their wealth, then this is where you end up. But At again, least they're not trying to sell us on the
0: trickle down anymore, though. They're just keeping their wealth. They're not telling us that it's trickling down, no. they're just keeping it. So no, no,
1: no, no, no. And you know, and the reason why I do the shows that show that sort of lay out that his is in context is one to show you that this is the playbook, right? Their playbook is not new. Nope. What new. they are able to capitalize on, and they who I'm talking about, because you know, I believe in naming they, they are, you know, company owners, they are these wealthy you know, oligarchs and companies who are able to dismantle trade policy, who are able to dismantle policies and regulations that allow them to continue to get bigger and amass, you know, more power and amass more money. And then you have the, I wouldn't even call it a David and Goliath situation because it's much bigger than that. It's like David and 15 Goliaths.
0: Are you sure it's not 20? I, I 50, 20 because I can't it
1: could be 20 to 50. like it depends on the situation right but what it, what people are counting on is us forgetting. And just as easy as it is to say their playbook is not new, it is also true that us forgetting is also true. And so that's why it's important to bring up the context in history. When we have the conversation about the free market myths, right? The big myth about how we are basically, they basically use advertising and marketing and money and all these other kinds of things to sell this idea around capitalism, the free market fundamentalism when we talk to Naomi or Seikis about their book, The Free, you know, on the free market myth, like this is the reason why, right? Because like there's a whole history of how this works. That's the similar playbook that is being used not only economically, but also around the issues of free speech, right? And public education and colleges and divesting money from programs that invest in diversity, that invest in making sure we have well-rounded students and experiences. And if you think about it logically, which I know is illogical, but like why wouldn't you want your child, why wouldn't you want your student to have a well-rounded education to understand about other cultures, to understand about the other people that they're going to deal with on a regular basis because the country is becoming more diverse.
0: Ah, The
1: world, June, is more diverse than just the isolated people that you encounter in your city or town. I'm sorry, Um, we all live a life
0: like friends and all we know are people who live like us and look like us and that's all we know. And you're just talking sacrilege. So from
1: an economic standpoint, I don't understand why you wanted would want to restrict education, why you would want to strict, restrict the experience of your student, of your child, of your family, for them not to be able to fully go on and conquer the world as you want them to. Why would you want them to sort of have this one-sided, you know, narrow view of the world and also like only experience experience what you've experienced no parent I know who's in my like my little parent group nobody is just like I want my kid to only experience what I've experienced and nothing else everybody is like I want them to do bigger and better like even Jesus was like and you will do more than I have even done or the, I'm like you ain't even <laughs> the same Bible that you be using and throwing up against people even Jesus was like and you will do more miracles than these
0: we're not here to talk about what Jesus actually wanted us to do. We're just going to, you know, like we're going to thump on the Bible a little bit and we're going to use a couple of like phrases or whatever. But to actually walk in Jesus' shoes and be forgiving and do for others and do the, the basic tenets that even Confucius talked about. Okay, so we're off that yet again. We're off, we're off that. I, I don't we're even know what that. to say. We're I'm glad only, you do this show.
1: We're only trafficking in fear. We're only sticking to the rivers and the lakes that we're used to. We're only like, which is racism, <laughs> economic suppression. Like this, these are the rivers and the lakes. June, we stick it here. We're not chasing our waterfall. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, we're gonna take a break. <laughs> Cause June got a collection
0: stuff. So. That was the best, though. The best. Wait a minute. California don't have rivers and lakes. They all dried up. Bloop. Anyway, commercial. Oh, well,
1: I think they ca- they came to an agreement on the thing. I haven't read the details of it because I'm still looking for we're still looking for experts to talk about this because I don't know enough about it, but I do have lots of questions about it and its impact overall. And, you know, just before we break, I know we got a break. For me, it's interesting to read up and read in detail, talk about media literacy, which we talked about also in the beginnings of, of, of Sunday Civics, of being able to read not only the sources of news that are in blogs and stuff that's coming out, but then to... Get history in context. Well, what is the what was the original agreement like when this dam was built? When this like what was the what was the population then? And it's completely different then, right? How will climate change continue to impact this? How does building like why did the states allow buildings to continue when they knew <laughs> like when they knew like what was the plan? Did was a plan? Did a plan exist? Like being able to read and ask those questions are important and not just taking the word of like one source that, that you read. And I tweeted about this week as well. Like when I read a story and there's only one source, I'd be like, yeah, let me try to find some additional information about this because since when do stories only got one source? (laughs)
0: the source always seems to be the new york post and i don't understand what is new york post some random
1: blogger and not to disparage bloggers not to disparage independent researchers and yeah because there's a space for that but there has to be some due diligence which means that there's more there's there's more information there's more fact there is more that you can point to to substantiate something that people is people are establishing as fact. So and that, right? And that's part of media literacy again that we talked about in the beginning of the sh- of the early episodes of the show of as we are being fed this content. And remember, the content is gold. Content is currency right now. Right. So people are creating content either out of their head using AI, however they want, however they are doing it. But that is currency to companies and for people who are creating it. Right. So you're going into even me creating Sunday Civics is creating content.
0: Right. And it's heavy work, heavy work. It is not. And the
1: reason why it's not just me spouting off is because I need to bring people in who are experts, who understand, right, to give a fact and discussion about it. And I'm always encouraging, here, read more, go do, you know, more on this, find additional resources so that you can develop your opinion on this. I'm always sharing my opinion, but what's yours, right? Like I'm laying out information, providing access to to experts and guests on the show, but also the homework is still with you, Do you just listen and watch and accept whatever is told to you? Even on this show. And I can say my content is good and I have good experts and June will say all of that stuff like that. But even here, how are you evaluating the information that you're receiving and making a decision for yourself? I hope you're able to do that. That is the part of the reason why I created the show is to arm you, yes, with information, but also with the process of receiving information Consuming content, but also the process of being able to search for more and developing your own opinion and take action on your own. This is the reason why I don't come out with like 18-step guides to doing blah, 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 right? Like I may do a guide on here's a guide on Lobby Day. Here's a, a guide on you doing those kinds of things. But I don't tell you how to think. I share how I got to the position that I got to I bring on experts to talk about the facts that they have and information but ultimately it lies with you if you're going to take action on something you need to know you need to know it upside down and some things are very simple so you don't need to go get a PhD or a master's degree in environmental racism and environmental justice to understand how the changing environment is going to impact communities of color because you know from history and context that anytime anything happens it's going to impact historically marginalized groups more and so you know that if there is going to be migration because of climate change if there is going to be a change in curriculum and education if there's going to be less regulation in our economy and for larger companies, and we're just going to let conglomerates and all that kind of stuff happen, you know that there's going to be a greater impact on historically marginalized communities in this country because we have not broken the back of racism and class oppression. We haven't done that. So there is going to be that result. Now, how you, that. how you act on that is up to you.
0: I just need you to tell me what to do and who to vote for and what I'm supposed to be doing. No, 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 no. What do you you know?
1: I I want you to stop being lazy. (sighs) Okay, you're right.
0: You're
1: right. You're right. You're right. I want you to stop being lazy and waiting for the local community leader to tell you who you're voting for. Ask the question and you decide. I want you to stop being lazy and waiting for an entertainer to show up at a political rally for you to go to determine if the person who's running for mayor or running for Congress is as closely aligned to your values given the political environment and you should vote. I want you to stop being lazy and do the work of thinking for yourself. Now, I'm not talking to the folks who listen to this show religiously, right? Because the reason why you listen to the show is... We do bring on folks to engage in these conversations and you act on a regular basis and you're able to take that information and help disseminate that into your community. And I'm also not saying this to beat up on people who are apathetic and not engaged, because, you know, we did a whole show on not playing a voter blame game. Right. And saying that, you know, it's it's the voters who are not engaging and participating but I do want us to change our language. I do want us to change our language of they ain't going to let us, of this is why I don't get involved. This is why I, I want us to be part of the crew that helps our communities change that language because we do need to take ownership of what's going on and make some some concrete decisions and flex that muscle that you're able to you're able to flex that muscle in being civically engaged making decisions based upon not only just the content that is fed to you but making decisions based upon the the history the context the content you're getting and the facts and lastly the landscape so i'm gonna take a break here june i know i was gonna bring dr young in this conversation we're gonna take a break and we're gonna come back right quick because i want to talk about this landscape, this this idea of landscape of evaluating the landscape when we come back right from this break we'll be right back
0: school boy and school girl come together who is the teacher? i go let you know
1: Welcome back to Sean. Sunday Civics. I'm L Joy Williams and I got my thorough risk girl, June like the month, Moses like the Bible with me. So June. Yes. Landscape. It's bumpy. <laughs> it is very bumpy. So one of the things that I do as a strategist sometimes for campaigns, for candidates, for organizations is doing an evaluation of the landscape. It's called landscape analysis. And in that analysis, we are basically taking all of the facts and the numbers and everything that exist, right? If it's for a candidate, it's like, okay, what is what is the landscape? Who else is considering run in? What kind of money do they have? You know, from, from a candidate standpoint, You then also ask about the electorate, who's most likely to vote in this election, who have they voted for in the past, and what the turnout was, what the turnout is projected to be. There's also the political consideration, right? Like you're in an area where it's eight to one Democratic, and so the the competitiveness is in the primary and not in the general election or right. There's really no primary situation because of the breakdown of the parties in this particular district. You know, the battle is the general election, you know, and you got libertarian candidates and Republican candidates and democratic candidates battling it out and blah, 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 blah. Right. So you do this analysis and you need to put facts in there. You need to, you can't just be like, I think, June. You got to put in numbers, right? Here's the what reality. You can feel
0: it, though? What you if can if feel it.
1: it? You got to back it up. Okay. Right? So you can feel it. And I do. There's a lot of times where it's just like, I feel like this is not a good time. Case in point, you know, I was on a Merrill campaign and folks would say from the landscape, based upon the landscape of anti-rich people, I feel like people don't want another mayor who's wealthy, right? It's just what the landscape was and how we were able to provide example of that is like the conversation of eat the rich and, you know, the backlash of this and the candidates who were elected, right? So yes, you can have the feeling, but we were able, you can back up that feeling by providing information and facts, Right. So you provide the facts of the election. Basically, you know, it's a primary election and there's only 8,000 people registered to participate in the election. And the deadline has passed. So you can't get any new voters. So you're competing for 8,000 voters. Right. Like, and so it's just like, how many voters do I need? And do the math and 50 plus one. This is what you need to do if you're in, you know, a winner takes all situation. So Besides the, the facts of like those numbers of voters and what other candidates are running and how much money they have and the reality of how much money you can raise and all of that other stuff, there is also the political landscape. What is the fe- like the feeling of voters? Voters are apathetic, so it's harder to pull people out. Um, voters are really excited and there's another candidate running at the top of the ticket. And so people are going to be more likely to come out. So you'll have greater turnout. And so all I need to do is just convince people to vote for me further down the ballot or things like that. But when you're also doing this around issues, it's also about like, what are people thinking? That's why you see the polls and all that kind of stuff. What are people thinking and experiencing? Do they feel, do they support Congress? Do they support the president? Are Women, here's another idea, right? Remember the in the midterm election, people were focused on women's right to reproductive decisions. And a lot of women came out and participated in the election because that was the issue that they were driven on, right? That's a landscape piece. And so when you're thinking about what is happening now, right? You have candidates like DeSantis and others who are very polarizing, who are attacking public education, who are dismantling a focus on diversity and inclusion, all of those kinds of things. You got to think to yourself, what did he and his folks see in the landscape that prompted him to, to focus this way? Racism. And to dig in. What he saw was, oh, there are people... Who are are moved to engage because of the fear of others taking over. And Trump was able to get those folks and to rile them up. And that resulted in an election win. And I can shift that way. I can move that mob th- this way. And yes, I'm calling them a mob. I have no shame in and no apologies of calling that a mob. You're not
0: going to join old Hills and call them deplorable? No. Th- they're
1: a mob of fear. They are driven by fear and by racism. So I would say there's a portion of them that are just outwide racists, racist and, you know, not in my, <clears throat> not in my America. And then you have other folks who are driven there by fear. I don't want my kids to experience this. I don't want to, you know, like, right. And they will argue you down about being racist, even though they are being, that fear is being stoked with a, with a stick of racism.
0: You better preach on this Sunday morning, Eljo Williams. <laughs> <You better laughs> preach. What you saying? What you saying here? Are you so, speaking the truth? I, man, I don't even think we're
1: going to get to Dr.
0: Young. I'm,
1: I'm going to have to, to bring Dr. Young next week. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, okay. yes
0: next week. Because we. this is something that's been needed to be done because you know I'll be in your text messages begging you me to do a... Thank you. So
1: I want folks to think about the landscape and not just the federal la- landscape, right? Because there's a lot of moving parts that move the federal landscape. I want you to think about this Sunday morning. Think about your local landscape. What is, and these are questions for you. I don't have answers to. These are questions for you in thinking about the landscape in your local community, in your state. What is the landscape? If you live in Florida, right, which is a landscape that is being impacted also by the federal landscape, by the national landscape, what's gonna happen locally? With a top of the ticket, a potential top of the ticket that's going to have all of this focus and attention nationally, what is going to happen on on, further down the ballot? Right. So possibly you'll have higher turnout in Florida. What does that mean for the remainder of the seats? What does that mean for your state legislature? What does that mean for your uh, local races that may be happening now? What does that mean for your town supervisor and and things of that nature? If you have greater turnout and do you have candidates that are speaking to what voters are caring about?
0: But you've been doing several shows since that administration between Obama and Biden. Since that happened, you were saying... It's local. What you guys need to do is focus locally. What is, what is it? The dog catcher, the alderman, school, school votes, all of these votes you've been telling us to get involved locally for a minute now, but not just on for the candidates.
1: Now I want you to think about the landscape for you as voters or even people who don't vote. What is the landscape for them? Will they be, Will they continue to be apathetic? Will there still be a large portion of folks apathetic and not participating in the system at all, given what's happening? Will people be moved by what's happening? Also, what are people thinking about on a day-to-day basis, locally and statewide about what's happening in their communities? Are, you know, is it a job crisis? Is it a, a housing crisis locally? I'm not talking about nationally because the housing crisis and the job crisis and the food crisis, like crisis always exists. Nationally, nationwide, there's always somebody hungry, unhoused, ain't got no job, <laughs> like any health insurance. That on any given day that ends in Y in this country, people are experiencing that nationally. I'm talking about locally. Think about your local community. And not thinking about the candidate, thinking about the people, thinking about your people and not just, oh, my black people, my white people, my Latino people. I'm talking about thinking about the people that, you know, are like-minded and share. What what are y'all talking about? What are people thinking? What are people experiencing? Are they tired of, you know, the news? And so they've completely checked out. Are people concerned about the local economy? Are people concerned about the school board and how it's responding to the onslaught of what's happening from the governor and from the attention that they're getting nationally? Right. What is the landscape? Will people be engaged or will it be harder to engage people because of all of the attention? What is the landscape? I ask this question every time we get to these larger elections on who will be the electorate, who is going to turn out, who is going to engage. And the work of that happens well before election day, you know, November of a big midterm or presidential election. The work from that starts way earlier. And it starts with that landscape analysis. It starts with what are people thinking? What are people feeling? Do they feel like they want to go back to where we just came from, a very volatile, federal, presidential, White House situation, battling against Congress and not really focusing a lot on what's happening locally. Do we want to go back there? Do we want to advance to another state of being, right? Do we want to push the conversation to focus on the economic health of majority of Americans in this country, rather than the wealthy, wealthy going they're gonna be okay. And so, do we need to continue? They said
0: to... they're not gonna be okay
1: if they no, have no, people, no. their workers do an extra
0: to... dollar. They said they're not gonna be okay. Do we need to continue to
1: focus on relaxing regulation, re- removing support for workers? Or... Do we need to do continue that, or do we? Need to change the conversation on what is going to be important in this election, which is focusing on us. I don't want to hear a conversation anymore about, oh, the wealthy people, if they don't get this lax of regulation, it's going to trickle down. Nope, nope, nope. I want you to focus on me. Be selfish. I want you to focus on and not me the entitled me that's only, you know, the middle class white bread, you know, story that has been fed to us. No, focus on the American people and how the American people in its diversity can pursue their own happiness, their own economic wealth, their own education. Like how can we be focused on and not I think having done this for so long June is part of the reason people are apathetic and check out because the conversations end up being boiled down to these things about, you know, the wealthy and the regulation and the economic thing. And they use the language of people care about pocketbook issues and about what's on the kitchen table. And if I can have a job and a provider, they use that language, but it's, it's not really focused on the people. Right they're using us they're using the myth making of america of the middle class america of the white bread america they're using that myth making to stoke fear in some aspirations in some well when i get to be wealthy and stuff like that i don't want these regulations and these things or whatever so i'm going to vote against my interest
0: yes, oh my god yes yes yes
1: cuz when i get cuz when i get there i don't i don't want that
0: but you can't ever get there on this ugly colored road. It's not even a yellow brick road. This is, this is not the road to... Girl, it, it ain't even no
1: road because the roads is all broke up. and
0: Oh, the, you know what? You're right. The roads the are broke all up. The broke up. I done cracked yeah, the I mean, axle on my car, which is 20 years old, mind you, because can't get a new one. Can't afford that.
1: We'll be right back. How can it be
0: that you love the most unlovable what
1: Welcome back to Sunday Civics. So... I, I want those of you listening to think about this Sunday, the landscape of your local community and of your state. Don't even think about Biden and DeSantis and Trump. And, like, don't even say their name. Don't even, like, think about your state. Well, if you're in Florida, you got to think about DeSantis. But think about your state and your local community, and think about what the landscape is there. What are people fighting for? What are people experiencing? What things do you want addressed? Open, open a notes app on your on, on your iPhone or on your Android, or, you know, if you're listening, do a voice text or something. I want you to think about in your daily engagement: what are people locally and state? Like, what are they
0: talking about? Well, you know your and then- students been on it because they've been paying attention down there in Florida. Shout out Charlie Houston because they down there working. Your students are working. They are paying attention to the landscape. Me too. But we need help. Join us. Finish teaching us, Eljoy. Sorry. Just got to shout out the people who are doing the work. Sh- shout out to y'all who, who
1: share the stories. And I want more of you who listen to the show and who are in daily action, weekly action. I want I want you to reach out to June, message us, because I want you on the show. I want to hear about what you are doing locally and statewide. I, I want to I do four back-to-back shows, not even talking about things happening nationally. I just want to focus on what's happening locally with you, what's happening statewide. I, I want to focus on that.
0: That's going to be so fire because regular everyday people don't realize they have power like that. So to hear from other quote unquote regular people that are out there doing it, doing it, doing it, that just gets more doing it, doing it, doing it. So yes, <laughs> let's go. Oh yeah. Four shows. You want four or do you want five? Which one? Just text me. I
1: want as many of you who are listening, who can talk about what's happening locally, what's happening statewide. And what folks, you know, doing your own landscape analysis on, you know, that also the question of apathy in your community, right? You know, those of you who are a little bit more advanced, you know, if you know what turnout is usually like in your community and you think about why people are not engaged, right, ask some folks. Why don't you why don't you vote? Why don't you participate in stuff? Well, like what just ask two people. I'm not don't go and do a whole survey and the text thing and all of that. Just ask two people. Why don't you why don't you vote? What is like what do you feel? What's the reason why? Right? Let's let's collectively do this landscape analysis and understand what is happening locally and statewide. Because yes, national politics can turn people off. But there's also, people are apathetic locally, right? They see people who are unhoused or experiencing street homelessness. And they're like, why even participate in this thing when you still got people, you know, you got families living out on the street. You have people, you know, who want to work, want to engage and, you know, you have small businesses who are trying to, and when I'm talking about small businesses, I'm not talking about, you know, your $20 million, $30 million lumber business. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that got 18 locations and all this other kind of stuff, right? I'm not talking about your local Home Depot. I'm, ta- like, I'm talking about, you know, the folks who can't retire running their shop, right? Th- that's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the seniors who have to work at Walmart, who have to continue working because they need additional support to support themselves and their grandkids or, you know, or their families. So let, let let's do that analysis together. June, is that all right? I, I want you to do analysis in Harlem. Let's let's come back together. We did that?
0: I listened to you. And because I listened to you, the apathy came from, just like you said, oh, these people don't do nothing. They don't even bother to come to see us. And one of the things our TA did was arrange an event called the Soapbox. And each one of the people running for office came and stood and told us, who are they? We did it outside on the sidewalk within the guidelines of legality, because we don't want anybody being arrested because we're trying to be engaged. But we made sure that anybody walking by was able to get this information, which meant that these candidates were like, these people are engaged, which meant that they came and knocked on doors and people are going, where's that voter registration form? Because they actually came here to talk to us. Just something that small, Eljoy Williams, opened up We've already got 30 new people who have signed up to be voters. They, they did their voter registration. Thank you, New York, for putting it online now, because now we can do a few more. But it's these, like, little small things. So thank you for that education, because we may not have even thought out the box to go back in time and, you know, like, mimic the old Harlemites that, that got on their soapbox and people stood around for hours listening to them pontificate. Like, that was very exciting. And... I'm as regular degular as they can get. So, Eljoy, you building these these movers and shakers out here in the street, honey. You doing it. Doing it, doing it, doing it. (laughs) <laughs>
1: but I want to hear from more of y'all. I want y'all to be the experts. I want you to be the guests on the show. And I want to, I, I want to hear from you. And you know, I, nobody's asking you to talk for a whole hour. We'll bring a, you know, folks on and 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 share what is the landscape in your local community, in your state, as we move forward and what are you doing regarding that or not doing or don't or need help on let, let, let's let talk it out so thank you guys i know i did not get to dr young <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna do it next week we'll bring that conversation again and go there because I think it's really important on this public education debate because there really needs to be a focus. And this actually comes from Dr. Young. There needs to be a recommitment to public education because we are moving into a space where people will just say, "Well, education should just be up to families and like your own private," and that would be disastrous for uh, for us as a people. It would be disastrous for our economy, it would like, it would just be completely disastrous. So we do need this recommitment to public education. So I I do want to have a conversation about that and bring Dr. Young back to the front of the class um, in his own words to to detail that. So June, it was great catching up with you. Who knew I had all of this
0: to talk? Who knew I had all of this to talk about this morning? I did. I'm just glad that it happened because I be begging y'all. I be begging. I be like, please, can we just? Hear? She's like, no. I want to bring on the expert because they're gonna. Th-. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. You the expert. You got. We we listening to you. So thank you, Eljoy Williams. Guess what? Well, I can't be. I can't.
1: I can't be the only one because you know you need more than one source.
0: Okay. Okay. Let me go find. Let me go read my Pat Libby book because I need another source and I'm gonna write a law. Thank you, Eljoy Williams.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much.
0: And thanks. I'm all so of happy you to see you. To happy Sunday, doll. Yes. And thanks
1: to all of you who continue to listen and engage with Sunday civics. I really appreciate it. And I want to hear more from you. I want you at the front of the class because I, it's not just me who knows everything, you know, something too. So we'll be back next week with more, more information, more things that you can use to get civically engaged. Thank you for listening.
0: Have a pleasant Sunday. Uh...